This morning we're going to consider resisting the devil. Resisting the devil. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're approaching the end of our study in that first epistle of Peter. Two verses to look at there. Verses 8 and 9 in 1 Peter chapter 5. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. When I became a Christian, I was hungry for Christian fellowship. And I soon found out that uh, an elderly man living nearby to me was a lay Baptist preacher. I quickly made contact with him and I looked forward to chatting with him and benefiting from his knowledge of the Bible. However, in our first and only conversation, somehow or other, the conversation came to the devil and alarm bells started ringing inside my head. That elderly lay Baptist pastor or preacher explained to me that the devil or Satan is not a real being, but rather he or it is just a picture of everything that is evil. We soon parted company. Although I didn't know much at the time, I knew that I didn't need his false teaching. As a newly converted Christian, I already knew that when the Lord Jesus Christ was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he was tempted by more than a portrayal or a picture of all that is evil. I already knew from Revelation chapter 20 that one day the devil and not some abstract concept will be cast into the lake of fire. The fact of the matter is that as can be clearly seen in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, the devil is real. And as a roaring lion he walks about seeking whom he may devour. It's interesting to see that the evil one, the devil, is described as a lion. There's someone else who's described as a lion as well. Who else is described as a lion? The Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5 and 6, the Apostle John, who had a heavenly vision, he said, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, have prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. When it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
laying down his life as a sacrifice for sin, he is described as a lamb as it had been slain. But when it comes to his victory over sin, Satan and death at the cross and his exaltation to the right hand of the throne of God, he is described as the lion of the tribe of Judah. I like what Augustine said. He said, Christ is a lion on account of his courage, the devil on account of his ferocity. The former is a lion to conquer, the latter to injure. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, the devil is referred to as your adversary. Have a look at that there. Chapter 5 verse 8, your adversary. Your adversary can be your opponent in a lawsuit. For example, in Luke chapter 12 and verse 58, Jesus said, When thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate, as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison. Also, your adversary can mean your opponent in a more general way. The devil is both. He will oppose Christians generally, and also, by his accusations, he will try his level best to overturn God's legal declaration concerning Christians being justified by faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, looking at the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament, chapter 3 and verse 1, the prophet Zechariah said, And he, that is the angel, showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. In other words, standing at his right hand to be an adversary and to oppose him. The Lord rebuked Satan and said, Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Also the Lord said to those who stood before him, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to Joshua, the high priest, the Lord said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of clothing. If you're, if you're a Christian, as long as you're in the, in the world, your adversary, the devil, he will oppose you. He will accuse you of all sorts of things before God and he will try to make you feel so miserable and so useless. But you know what? If you are someone who is trusting in Jesus for your acceptance before God and you're clothed with the righteousness of God that comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, even though you live in a body of sinful flesh, God has nevertheless graciously imputed or assigned 
the perfect obedience of his son Jesus to your account. The obedience of Jesus in life and in death has been imputed to your account. So the devil can accuse you as much as he wants to. It won't change a thing. God sees you as accepted in his beloved son. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all your sin. God has clothed you with the garments of salvation. He has covered you with the robe of righteousness of his dear son. As I say, the devil can accuse you all he wants to, but as it is written in Romans chapter 8, verses 33 through to 39, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? You could add to that, or COVID-19. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's have a look at verse 8 in chapter 5. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. In John chapter 12 and verse 31, Jesus describes the devil as the prince of this world. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, the Apostle Paul describes the devil as the God of this world. God, with a small g of course, the God of this world. As for the prince and God of this fallen world, all who are not trusting in Jesus are in subjection to him. They may not realise that. They may not believe in the devil. Just like that lay Baptist preacher. You may say it's a lot of nonsense. That doesn't alter the fact that you are in subjection to the devil if you do not belong to Jesus. That is something that the religious Jews of, of old who opposed Jesus needed to know. They imagined that God was their father, but Jesus said to them, Ye are of your father, the devil. And the lusts, in other words, the sinful desires of your father, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. 
When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. That's how it is. With all of you who have never repented and you've never trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You do not abide in the truth. And that is because you do not abide in Jesus who is the truth. Consequently, you are living in obedience to your father, the prince and the God of this wicked world, the devil. It matters not that you may compare favourably with others. And when it comes to moral and upright living, well, you're pretty good. At least you may think you are. You're kind. You're fairly gentle. You like to help people. You're compassionate and all of those things. It doesn't alter the fact that all of us have sinned. We all come short of the glory of God and that includes every single one of us in here. There is none righteous and no, not one. Although the devil is described as the God of this world, he most certainly is not the one true God who created heaven and earth and he is not omnipresent. By that I mean he is not everywhere at once. Even so, the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And all you dear Christians can expect a visit from him, with his mouth wide open, ready to accuse you and ready to devour you. Don't expect him to announce his, his, uh, his arrival. He doesn't walk around with a big placard in his hand, declaring who he is. He is more likely to conceal his identity and so it is that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, sorry, chapter 11 and verse 14 we are told that Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. He is the prince of darkness but he masquerades as an angel of light. In that guise, he brings heresies with him and he sows seeds of doubt in the minds of Christians through false teachers within the churches and also through outsiders, such as those who might knock on your front door, bringing with them a false gospel and denying the doctrine of Christ, denying that Jesus is the incarnate Son of God. The devil tempts the Lord's people. He causes confusion and he endeavours to corrupt minds with lies because he is the father of lies. He is extremely devious, far more devious than you and me. For example, in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9, we're told that that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. I think that one of the devil's great deceptions can be seen in that old Baptist preacher who did not believe that the devil is real. What a victory for the devil that is. The example of cunning and guile of Satan, which was most devastating in its consequences, was when Eve 
ate from the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. As it is written in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 and 6, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, Thou shalt not eat of every tree of the garden? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. And we all know what happened next. The floodgates were open and now by one man sin has come into the world and has come to all of us and with sin comes death. The writer of this epistle knew a thing or two about the cunning of Satan. He'd experienced it firsthand when the devil, having already entered Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus, set his sights on Peter as well. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Sure enough, very soon afterwards, Peter denied the Lord three times. Even so, the intercessory prayer of Jesus was answered in that Peter later wept bitterly in repentance for his cowardice, and he went on to serve the Lord with a holy boldness. Little wonder that when Peter gave a warning about the advances of the adversary in verse 8, he said, be sober, be vigilant. If Jesus is your saviour from sin, he is also your great heavenly high priest, who intercedes for you in prayer, as he did Peter. However, the intercession of Jesus does not give you exemption from from satanic attacks. And you will probably know that to be the case from your own bitter experiences if you are a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. If you're an active Christian, you'll have a testimony, won't you, of satanic attack. God is in control and as we've already considered in 1 Peter chapter 4 the fiery trials that Christians experience are God given. The fact is that it may please God to permit Satan to visit you as he visited a man called Job in the Old Testament. Despite Job being a godly man Satan was permitted to attack him in accordance with God's higher purpose. As it is written in Job chapter 1 and verse 12, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. 
Later on, the Lord even uh, even permitted Satan to smite Job, but not to kill him. Dear Christian, those fiery trials serve to try your faith. God sits as a refiner and a purifier of silver, purifying you, purging you as gold and silver, as he conforms you to the image of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, according to verse 9, you are to resist steadfast in the faith. Have a look at verse 9 there. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Resist steadfast in the faith. That involves actually doing something, as well as casting your cares, your anxieties, your worries on the Lord in prayer. You are to resist the advances of the devil. You are to withstand him. That most certainly is not something that you are able to do in your flesh. In the flesh. You are far too puny. You are far too foolish to withstand the devil. In and of yourself. If you are anything like me, you will have, sorry, you will cave in. You will capitulate And you will do anything but resist the devil. When he entices you to sin, for example, you'll find some way of justifying it. Dear Christian, as can be seen, you are to resist your adversary, not in the flesh, but, as we see there in verse 9, in the faith. The afflictions spoken of in verse 9 do not refer to Satan coming along and tempting you to indulge in sinful conduct, although he does do that. When that happens, you are to resist him and he will flee when he entices you to sin. You resist him, he flees. The afflictions that are spoken of in verse 9 refer to persecution for Christ's sake and perhaps even martyrdom. When those afflictions come your way, the faith of your mum, your dad, or some other person will be of no use to you whatsoever. You need to be fully convinced for yourself that Jesus is your saviour from sin, that he is your Lord, never mind anyone else. Your saviour, your Lord, having reconciled you to God through his perfect obedience in life and in death on the cross. And that you have a hope that reaches up to heaven where Jesus is. The faith spoken of here in verse 9 is one whereby Christians rejoice in their suffering for Christ's sake and for them to live as Christ. And to die is gain. The Christians in Peter's day were experiencing terrible persecution. And some would face martyrdom from people who were doing the devil's work. That's why Peter wrote to them to encourage them and to exhort them concerning their hope in Jesus. 
and how they were to live the rest of their time in this Christ-rejecting world of which Satan is Prince and God with small g. 2,000 years later and this is the same wicked world with the same hostility and the same rebellion against God and his people. Therefore, looking one more time at verses 8 and 9, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Amen.